Danny Mac Show with BK. Podcast powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. We'll get back to the second quarter of our game in just a moment. I'm Scott Van Pelt. Some breaking news out of Oklahoma City. The game between the Thunder and the Jazz has just been postponed. We will bring in Royce Young in just a moment. want to show you the scene as this situation, uh, frankly, feels like it's deteriorating right before our eyes across the country. Uh, the Jazz and Thunder on the floor getting ready to play, and both teams pulled off the floor. Rudy Gobert was one of several players for the Jazz, ruled out with illness that was uh, one year ago today that is hard to believe that was scott van pelt as they broke into the nba game with the jazz rudy gobert then subsequently would test positive for covid 19 and we didn't know what to expect at that point in time they were at uh, oklahoma city and there were people that were covering that game that were all of a sudden separating from each other they were trying to get the crowd out uh, they were trying to get the governor to make a decision, who, by the way, was at that game and figuring out what in the hell is going on here. Welcome to the Danny Mac Show on a Thursday morning. And this is 101 ESPN BK and also Tanner Hendrickson. Has it been one year? It, it's hard to believe, isn't it? It's crazy. I was listening to a podcast last night that was doing kind of a reminiscing of this as well. And I thought the guy said it the best way that I've heard it so far. The first like four months felt like five years and then really over the last like eight months or so it's kind of felt like yeah that that sounds about right because now that we have it's not normal by any stretch of the imagination and i would never suggest that it is but it's getting closer um we, we are seeing sports now the rangers i don't know if you saw this just announced the other day they're gonna have a hundred percent capacity a lot of the college football teams are now announcing this fall they're all expecting to be back to a hundred percent Again, it is not normal, but it is getting closer. We're watching games that are starting to feel more like normal to me. And so, like, just in our sports realm, things are starting to get closer to that. The football season felt mostly normal-ish for the most part, other than the Broncos using a receiver at quarterback. Um, but, yeah, I would say that the first few months felt like it took forever and then since then, it's kind of felt like time went about normal. For Told me. the story this morning on the morning show. I was down in Jupiter, Florida at that time uh, with the Cardinals, and I was watching that. I was doing laundry at the place I stay, uh, and I thought when we saw that, okay, there's no way we play the game the next day. And if you remember at the time, we had started to get word that things were happening, uh, and it, it was getting, you know, it was nervous time around our country, around the world certainly around sports you couldn't go in the clubhouses bk had to be around it couldn't be around the players had to be and if they're on the field you, you couldn't you know it was like six feet de, uh, social distance and we show up the next day and i asked mike schilt we're on the field i said did you see what happened in the nba game he said no but i've been informed i said are we playing the game today he said yeah we're gonna play the game today this is after they canceled the mm -hmm. nba game and then i went into what is uh, basically is where the scouts go, media goes, and um, it, it's just the, the media center, if you will, of a minor league ballpark. I look up at the TV, and they start canceling the college basketball tournaments around the country. And I'm thinking, oh, boy, here we go. And we're waiting and waiting and waiting for, well, at least I was, a 1 o'clock start down in Jupiter, and I'm thinking they're going to cancel this game. The, the ballpark fills up with fans. 
we don't see any players on the field till about 15, 10 minutes before first pitch, and they're kind of trickling out there. And midway through that game, Major League Baseball comes out with an announcement. We're checking our phone the entire time. Are they going to pull these guys off the field? And they say, hey, at 3 o'clock Eastern, Major League Baseball is suspended for two weeks. And it was just eerie. And you heard the the murmur around, around the, the crowd. People are checking their phones. It, it was just... It's just one of those things you don't forget. You know what I mean? You just don't forget where you were, how it went down, what happened. And we didn't have baseball for months. And uh, it was awful. And here we are a year later. And I'm very thankful that the players played. We got some semblance of normalcy to play 60 games. And it wasn't easy. And now in retrospect, we look back. How did they get through that with shutdowns and with COVID hitting teams and specifically hitting the Cardinals and the Marlins? Amazing that they got through it. And we're going to have a baseball season this year. Now, Joey Votto tested positive yesterday for fans that didn't hear. Uh, we hope to have vaccinations keep rolling out. Uh, last I read, I don't know if you have an update on this, there's about two, two and a half million Americans getting the vaccination daily. But uh, And we're getting opening up, as you mentioned. Arlington's going to open up for the Texas Rangers. They're going to have 100% capacity. The Astros down in Texas said they will not be at 100% capacity, but opening up slowly but surely. We're going to have fans in the stands opening day at Bush Stadium. That's all good news. Um, but, yeah, it, it does feel like we're edging closer. There is truly light at the end of the tunnel. But, man, that day a year ago, it was scary. And it's been everything, right? I remember that day because it wasn't just sports. Like we, yes. that's our realm. But it was. I would watch. Uh, I, I watched night, the night shows, right? And I watched Stephen Colbert nightly right after the news. And he wasn't in his studio. They went to recorded programming for a couple weeks, and then suddenly they're doing these night shows from their houses. And the morning shows that you watch on ESPN, they're all on Zoom. And it's like this is so weird. What is going on? And it it took a while to really. It, it, it was disor- disorient- disorienting to be able to watch that. And now it's like I'm watching MLB Network right now and you see an interview that they're doing on Zoom and it's like, oh, that's just normal TV now. Yep. Like, that's just that's the way that things are going to go. And so I would be curious, Dan, like I do think some of the things that have happened over the last year are just going to become normal. Like Zoom calls on whatever you do, whether it be sales or Instead of going to a conference that your company is paying thousands of dollars for you to travel out to San Francisco, you zoom into that conference now. Like, I think some of that stuff for better or for worse is going to become a little bit more normal. Some people that used to go into the office every day are just going to start doing work at home because why do we need to have all of this office space when you can clearly do the exact same job at home? So there are going to be some almost unintended consequences of what this last year has been like as it pertains to sports and sports television i can tell you if you're looking for the immediacy of getting somebody quote on camera sending somebody to their home to get them on camera now the quality of getting somebody on camera sure you'd love to have that but i do a show every sunday channel 2 at 10 30 Everything's done on what would be Zoom, or it's called StreamYard, and it's great. I just did a thing with Jack Nicholas, did a thing yesterday with Matt Morris, and the quality was exceptional. And you're right. When you look up, if I would have done this a year ago, you said, hmm, looks okay. It's not great, but it's it's good. Now we look at it because the technology with these things has gotten better every day. You look at that and you go, oh, man, that looks really sharp. They got a moving background with that, and they got some graphics. And, oh, if you put the headset on, uh-huh. it looks really good. The sound quality is great. 
works. No well, problem. It's almost more intimate, too, right? Because yeah. now, like, you're interviewing um, whoever it is, Matt Morris, the other day. And you're you're like, well, what's that in the background? I see that you've got a bobblehead of Yadier Molina or yeah. whatever, right? And, and so you ask about that. And it's it's just cool because you see these little trinkets. It's almost a a glimpse into somebody's life based on what they have behind them in the Zoom call. It, it, it's kind of a cool thing that we've been able to been able to do over the last year. Obviously, we're not out of this yet as it pertains to college basketball. Duke's season may be over. Positive COVID tests knocked them out of the ACC tournament. I think that's going to be something to watch this weekend as the kids continue to get tested. And then everybody with college basketball, if you're involved with NCAA men's basketball and women's, but men's basketball, a lot of money is on the line. Billions of dollars to go to Indianapolis and just get through this. It's kind of like just trying to get through the college football playoff. (laughs) Just please get through this. Get through some non-positive tests. Let everybody get negative. Let's get on the field. Get it on television. Let's cash our checks. I mean, that's what you're hoping for. A lot of this stuff has become so so normalized now, Dan, with the positive tests that it's almost like you need something like this. And I, I wish that it never happened, of course, but you need something like this to remind you like, oh, yeah, this is still a problem. Yes. As, as much as we are getting closer to a sense of normalcy, there are still some obstacles out there to be able to overcome. Now, we are going to talk baseball. Uh, one of my favorite guys in the world is coming up, and that is Keith Hernandez. We hope to visit with him, the former Cardinal first baseman. In my mind, BK, and I'll say this to Keith when he's on the air, he should be in the Cardinals Hall of Fame, and we've talked about this. Uh, he's on the ballot for the Cardinals Hall of Fame. You can vote at cardinals.com slash HOF. He's one of five that, again, is on the ballot. I think the Veterans Committee, because of what we've seen recently with Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame, I do think they're going to take a harder look at Keith's case. He is, if he's not the best first baseman defensively, he is among the top two or three. But there are people out there, myself included, that believe he's the best defensive first baseman ever. And that with the advent of analytics and how you look and, and totally, you know, it's changed. Like Scott Rowland is going to get into the Hall of Fame because now we take a harder look at what he means defensively. I think people are going to take a harder look at what Keith Hernandez meant to the game when he played. Yeah, I think he should be in. Um, so... Our guy, Jay Jaffe, who yep. came on with us recently, he does the Jaws statistic. And for anybody that's not familiar with this, basically it just it looks at a player's career and takes out, okay, are, are they relative to other Hall of Famers that are already in? Is this somebody that had a Hall of Fame caliber career? And based on that metric alone, Keith Hernandez should be in. His peak years are as good as any other first baseman that was qualified to get into the Hall of Fame. His overall career wins above replacement is right there with the average for first basemen that have gotten into the Hall of Fame. Everything about him in terms of the metrics would suggest, yes, this was a Hall of Fame career he should be in. It's honestly kind of baffling to me. He's he's almost like a forgotten man when it comes to some of those larger accolades among first basemen. And he shouldn't be. He's one of the better ones to ever do it. I'm going to give you an interesting one. If he has a solid year this year and decides to play next year. Now you're going to, you're going to look at me and go, really? I've been saying this for a couple of years and there, there's going to be some fans out there that say, no, 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 you're, you've lost your mind and I get it. And I could, I can understand your viewpoint. Adam Wainwright. You start looking at where he's at. He's closing in on 2,000 strikeouts. He's not far away from 200 wins. 
Now, he's got to put it together this year. He's got to put it together if he wants to play beyond this year. Now, he would be 41 years old. He would have missed two full complete years. I, I said I brought this up two or three years ago, and I said, hey, by the way, if, if Adam Wainwright decides to play, let's say, three or four more years, and people are oh, he's not going to play three or four. I said, well, okay. Well, I talked to the guy, and I, I know him pretty well. I'm yeah. just telling you I know what burns inside. He might. He might. Well, here we are. Start putting those numbers together. Now, it's a lot of what-ifs, and he's got a ways to go. I'm just telling you. Start doing the jaws. Start looking at where he's at. Look at it, BK. I, I'm looking at it. He's He's got a ways to go. He's got a ways to go. Um, it's it's going to take a lot. and Not as much as you think. Uh, he, he's about halfway there. No, he's on, beyond halfway. He's beyond halfway. 37. That's on the jaws. Um, and he needs to get to about 62. To what do you do threshold. when he gets to 200 wins? I hear you. I think the problem for him is going to be comparing him to other peers right now. And so his his timeline, some of the pitchers that have also been in this era, the strikeouts that they have also produced is going to hurt him a little bit. I his think. longevity is going to help. Sure. Some people say that hurts. Like, for instance, it hurt Jim Cott. Jim Cott should be in the Hall of Fame. People say, well, look, he pitched so long and look at where he's at with win total and all that kind of stuff. Well, the reason that that happened is because he was used differently in the back end of his career. It hurt him. He played forever, but he was not a starter by the end. So it hurt him. You have to dive into these things and not it's comparing apples and oranges sometimes. Again, I understand he's it's probably not, not a crazy case to make. It's not, you, that's what I'm trying to say. It's not far-fetched is what I'm trying to say. If he hadn't missed those two seasons, yeah. I think he would have had a real case. With missing those two seasons, he's probably going to have to make up for those at the back end of his career. So if if he were to come back in his gangbusters this year, 200 innings, uh, 3-0 ERA, looks fantastic, is top 10 in the Cy Young. He's probably going to have to do that this year and next to be able to get any consideration. That's but what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah, if he is legitimately a top 10 pitcher in the league the next two years, you've got a shot. But it's, it's going to take something like that to be able to it's do gonna, it. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, it's not easy, but he's still got skin in the game here. He's still going. That's the kind of thing I'm saying. Like I said, not easy, but it's there. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Danny Mac show with BK Keith Hernandez, by the way, had to reschedule with us. So he got, he just got back to us and said something came up and had to reschedule. We'll make sure and get that done uh, with Keith Hernandez. One of the things I want to get into six, five, seven, eight, zero. A lot of people have been asking both of us about the fifth starter spot. And in particular, BK, as you well know, probably know where I'm going with this, Alex Reyes. Do you Mm -hmm. want to see Alex Reyes as a starter, or do you want to see what the Cardinals are going to do, which is a innings limit uh, at at roughly 100 innings on Alex Reyes? Now, here's the deal. Do I think that they would get to a Steven Strasburg-type situation with him that – all right, you're in the final week of the season, and you you know you look up, and it's like, uh oh, we're at 97, and now we're at 99, and then we're at 100. Oh, it's playoff time. We cut him off. No, he's going to pitch the full year, um, whether you're below it or uh, slightly above it, or you're not even at it. Whatever they're they're going to, in my opinion, at least they would pitch him the entire year. That that's not of concern to me. What is the the point of the conversation? Is should he be a starter or should he be a reliever? I said a few months ago, I think it's time to cut the, the training wheels off and, and let him go. You know, you can find out what you got in him. He showed it in a truncated season. However, 
with the truncated season, big picture view, I do like what the Cardinals are doing with him. I want to see him as a starter eventually in his career, but what I'm seeing already in spring training is a guy that can be dominating coming out of the bullpen. And if you're going to have starters that could find that they're in compromised positions because they were limited last year, and there's going to be some bumps in the road in a long season of 162 because they were limited a year ago, I'm fine with this. I think it's going to be okay for Alex Reyes to find success in this situation. Yeah, I think that people need to remember Alex Reyes has thrown right around a little less than 100 innings since the end of the 2016 season. So bumping him up to 100 innings this year is already a significant jump for him. A lot of the time you want to go from like 100 to 150 or 150 to maybe 200. That's the way these teams like to make these jumps. He's going from 40 two years ago to last year throwing 20 to this year hopefully getting up to 100. That That's not a small or insignificant increase in his innings. So I get why people are upset about this, why people are frustrated, especially given the news with Miles Michaelis and the questions surrounding Carlos Martinez. I get that. But they've got to be smart with this guy. And so I would have done the exact same thing that they're doing. You've got to bring him on along slowly this year. And the next question that I always get asked is, okay, but then when do you stop babying this guy? Next year. Next year is the answer. And I know that we've been saying that for a long time now, but the 2020 season threw everything into flux. Last year should have been the year that they had this kind of a model, where it's 100 innings for the 2020 season, and then 2021, they can start him. Well, he threw 20 because they played 60 games. I don't know what the Cardinals could have done differently there. That's not on them. It's just a weird situation that threw everything into flux. You know, Saris of The Athletic. The the good news is uh, there could be a hand in glove here where Reyes is the kind of piggyback starter where he comes in on Ponce and Gantt days um, to give them those two, three innings they need. And so you might see really good results, but not see, and there might be people saying, no, nah, make, make him a reliever. We want him in there every day and we need him as a setup guy. But if they have the patience to, to get him in there, you know, every few days for two innings, uh, that's going to keep him closer to, to getting there as a starter in, in long term. And, and for what's worth, I think the, the Cardinals bullpen is decent. You know, I, I think that they don't necessarily need to, to uh, rush him in there. On paper, I don't think it's decent. I, I think it's could be exceptional. Now, it could why be ex- does everybody nationally? Sorry to interrupt you, Dan. Why does everybody nationally seem to have this exact same thought? Where it's like, oh yeah, the Cardinals bullpen could be pretty good. No, it could be the best in the league. Like, well, what, what's going on here? What are you doing with John Gant? That, Probably I, starting. Yeah. So now you're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul on that one. Maybe that lessens their viewpoint on that. So if John Gant is in. I don't think he's the swing guy, though, that makes me think that, like, oh, he's pretty hey, darn good. He's great, but you have, like, 10 other guys that are pretty darn good back there, you know? I, I love Alex Reyes being in my bullpen. I love Jordan Hicks. I like Helsley. I like Gallegos. I, I like Cabrera. I mean, they've got. Uh, maybe a dozen guys that I feel really good about coming out of the bullpen. Maybe Ponce de Leon if he's not in your rotation. Um, So that does beg the question of what you want to do going forward. And Greg Amsinger even mentioned that this may be the most important arm talking about Alex Reyes for the Cardinals. I kind of, I was taken back by the 100 innings limitation they dropped on him. To me, that automatically means, okay, we're going to have this guy in the bullpen. If things get hairy and we're going to be in the, in the postseason mix, don't be shocked if Alex Reyes takes the ball to give you four or five 
right? Like when things get down to the wire and maybe we're dealing with injuries in our rotation, Alex Reyes has become the safety net. He might end up becoming the most valuable arm for the 2021 Cardinals. They've got tons of depth in that bullpen. I think that's where he should start. But that innings limitation, to me, means he's going to get some spot starts when it matters most. Look for that. Yeah, I, I don't see that. I, I do see multi-inning appearances. I, I think if they make this commitment to him, now again, if there's multiple injuries, then all bets are off. But even then, you know, you've, you've got other options. Uh, to me, it's going to be a situation where the multi-innings come in two-inning stints, maybe three but I don't see him going in as a starter. I, I think they've made that clear. He's not a starter, so stop talking about it, folks. You don't think he'll at any point this season? No, I, I don't. And oh, I, I would disagree there. I you're think talking about Alex Reyes. Mm, I you think, think he's going to start. At some point in the back end, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes some spot starts. Yeah, it, I, when I say that, I don't mean he's going to come in, throw six, seven shutout innings, and you're going to move on to the next one. He's going to start five days later, but... I could see maybe four or five starts at the back end of the season where he's giving you three or four innings. Like why that would you kind do that? A, if, he, if he's in a role right now, that and especially if he's having success, why would you disrupt that? And you're already making the commitment to be so careful with him now. Why would you disrupt that? And you're being so careful with him now because he's so important in the future. Yeah, because I want to see what he looks like stretched out a little bit. You um, can do that in spring training next year. I'm with you. Uh, I just want I want to get him opportunities, and if at that point he, I'm talking about like August September, like yeah, super back end of the season. August September though, you're you're in the middle of a, a stretch run that you hope that you're trying to win a pennant. He might start for me in a playoff game though. No, you know? no. If I got if I'm in a playoff game, I'm not. Uh, to me, his innings are vital to where I'm up by a run, down by a run. I need to keep a one run game tight. I want him in the 6th, the 7th, and the 8th. And if that's how I've been opinion, I'm keeping him in that role. I hear you. I, I think that's... I think both of these are in play. Um, I'm not willing to shut the door on him starting some games late in the season. And the reason why I'm saying this, Dan, is just because like 100 innings out of a, a true bullpen arm is really difficult to get to, even if you're going multiple innings but every I, single I, time. That's an arbitrary number, though. I don't have to get to 100. Like I, if I If I don't get to 100, I'm okay with it. Like, if I get to whatever number you want to throw at me, I'm fine with it. Here's the thing. I know the role that he can play in trying to win games. This isn't all about Alex Reyes and how much I got to baby him. This is about trying to win games. And now, along the way, I'm being careful with him. Don't get me wrong. But next year, I'll worry about starting him. I'm not going to disrupt what I'm doing there for just all about Alex Reyes. And sometimes what happens when you do that, you disrupt the rhythm of what this guy's been doing all season long. You've got to be careful with that. Sure. It's, it's about getting ready and getting loose and thinking about the five days. I mean, think about that, too. So if you start him, he's unavailable before and after those games. Mm -hmm. So you're taking a lot of time to do that. I, I'm not doing that in a pennant race. I hear you. Um, I, I think I would be willing to just because I think there's a chance he might be your second best starter when you get into the postseason. Like it, it's it's in play. He. In terms of the stuff on this team, he might have the best stuff of anybody on the Absolutely. roster. And so if I'm getting to August and September and he looks fantastic the way that he does right now down in spring training and he's dominant coming out of the pin, there is true value out of that. And I'm not diminishing what you're saying, but if he's feeling great and he's around at that point, 60, 70 innings, and I feel like I can get five, six starts, including maybe even in the playoffs with him being my number two or three starter in those playoff uh, series. 
yeah, I might start considering what does this look like if he's a starter for me going into the postseason, especially if by that point, Michaelis is still not back. But if you use him in, let's just say you gave him a start in, let's say you got a seven-game series Mm -hmm. and he starts game two. Where's game three, game four, game five? He's done. So you can't use him. But if he was excellent in game two, it's worth it. You know, I could make the same argument about Jack Flaherty. Like, is he is he more valuable as a starter or coming out of the pin multiple times? I, I want to get that start out of him, you know? Eh, I, I just, I don't disrupt him. I, if I was going to do it, I'd start right now. And I'd say, okay, the training wheel's off and go get him. But as you made a very valid point before, you build up innings as you go throughout the years. And with last year being so crazy, it's very tough to do. And that's very the tough thing for me is like, I would rather see that late in the year than early on. I don't want to throw him as no. a starter now and then wane him down. And then by the end of the year, like you don't even have the opportunity to do it. I want to leave that door open. Maybe it's just cracked open just a little bit, just so that way I can see the little sliver in there. But I, I want to be able to open that if need be kind of a break glass in case of emergency going into the postseason. Now the selfish part of me says, I just want to see him start because he's he's a talent that doesn't come along very often. He's that good. Mm-hmm. But I also understand where they're trying to be careful with him. But, man, is he awfully good when he's right. So we'll see how it plays out. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Honest, PK, I'm I'm disappointed that uh, Petro is not coming back, even without the fans. I, I was just excited to see the video tribute, and even with whatever they had in the building, the reception that he would get. Um, it's always interesting. I, I I think when a former great player comes back to their previous town for the first time and the captain and the guy that led you to the first ever Stanley Cup in franchise history, I, I was. Really looking forward to and a Friday night in St. Louis and a lot of eyeballs on the TVs. And I'm sure they're seeing bigger crowds at bars and restaurants with the numbers of COVID going down. So with all that and with the buzz in town of him being back, I, I'm just I'm disappointed. Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Sure. Maybe we have more fans in the stands the next time they come through so town. The next time is April 5th. It's a Monday. That'll be the next time that Vegas is in town to see the Blues. And if things continue trending in this direction, I think you're going to be right, Dan. I think we'll have more fans in the stands yeah. that time around. What have we been getting? About 2,500, 3,000 right now, roughly? So they've been kind of keeping it hush-hush the yeah. way that – because they've – they started out and it was a pretty small number yeah. and then they kept kind of slowly expanding it to see and they're doing it in a really smart way. They're seeing, OK, how can we fit these people in? What's the best way to get them in the stadium, out of the stadium and doing so safely? It's smart the way they're doing it, but it's it's kind of been a little more quiet in terms of the expansion as opposed to some of these teams that are announcing in baseball where it's like, hey, boom, 100%, we're ready to go. I was going to say, if we had an outdoor game down in Arlington, now we're talking. Mm-hmm. We could have 100% capacity. And By the way, I'm ready for some concerts. Let's go. We got some outdoor venues out here yeah. in St. Louis. Let's get this thing going. Safely. Let's let's do it Absolutely. safely. Outside, like I said, yeah. keep your distance. I'm going to be on my blanket. You can be on your blanket. But let's go watch some concerts outside together. I, I'm fascinated by the time. So the president said, what, by the end of May, the vaccine will be available to all Americans. So dependent, I, and I'm not trying to play 
epidemiologist here, so help me out. Just kind of thinking off the top of my head here. So if you needed a second shot, let's just say, so if you're at the end of May and, you know, that would be called Fourth of July. How's that that's, sound? That's, I was saying, end of June. So July, are you opened up? What do you think? I mean, is that reasonable to say that? I think it's in play. I mean, especially outside. Especially outside. So if you're if you're running a business, if you're running a baseball team, are you thinking, hey, are you telling your team, your people telling to, if you're having those meetings right now, are you saying, are we open in July? Are we open for business? We 100%. I mean, I, obviously, it depends on your jurisdiction. I was about to say, if I'm the Dodgers, no. If I'm the uh, San Francisco Giants, no. The Padres, uh-uh. But, I mean, certainly if you're in Texas or Florida, some of these more southern states in particular. Oh, I think they're yeah, open. Yeah, like a, a, everybody's going to be open in these situations. It, it really comes down to where are you at? What is it? What do things look like there? What is the temperature of the fan base in that area? So let's localize this to St. Louis. Yeah, I think by 4th of July, somewhere around there. I don't know if you'll be at 100%, but you're going to be getting closer to that um, that possibility. You know what I'd love to see? And we're, we're going to have an opening day. It won't be quite the same of an opening day that we would have with the pomp and circumstance uh, with a St. Louis Cardinals opening day at Bush Stadium, which is unlike any other place. And that's not being a homer. That's just the facts. I would love to see a, a secondary opening day at Bush Stadium. Is that... Is that too much, you think? Is that too weird? I think you could see something like, ah, probably a little too weird. Probably I don't a think little so. too weird. I think you bring back, I think you bring the Hall of Famers. I think you bring out the Clydesdales. What if you do that for the postseason? Well, like you're going to do it, for, but you're going to do that anyway. Hear me out. You bring out the, the because you're not going to, I don't think you're going to have the Hall of Famers here for opening day. I don't know that. I'm just thinking, you know, just to be as safe as possible. Um the Clydesdales, I don't know. I mean, they're going to do something special for opening day. It's opening day. I don't know what is going to be. In, I have no idea. I mean, people are like, oh, you're not going to say it. No, I, I don't know. But I, I would assume we'll have something special for, and I think it's the 8th of April when Milwaukee will be here. But why not do um, a relaunch of we are open? And if if you're doing that, if it's 100% capacity and you pack the place, and uh, it's an opening day with Clydesdales, Hall of Famers. You honor for the first time the red jacket of Tommy Hurd, John Tudor. Jason Isringhausen has not had that um, honor. Now, he got it at the Hall of Fame, but didn't have an opening day of a Hall of Fame being with the, the motorcade. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think... The, I've got a date for you. Yeah? The second half starts out That's Friday, uh, July 16th. At home against San Francisco, and the coming first, right out of the All-Star break. And the first half of July, I think they're on the road the entire month in the first half of July. Am I correct with that? They are. So July 1st through July 11th, they've got at Colorado, at San Francisco, at Chicago. Open it, So if you're opened up by then, and I'm just throwing it out there, I have no idea if they're thinking this. But I'll present it. Why not? They, they may listen to me. I don't know. But um, I think it would be awesome. I think fans would be so excited about that BK because here in St. Louis, we love our opening days. It, it's a, it's a local holiday in my mind. And, uh, and you do the full blowout and the hall of famers are here. Red jackets here. Clydesdales are here. Maybe you add a new wrinkle to it because we're all coming off what has been a horrible situation in every walk of life. It seems like, um, and you say, Hey, we're, we're back, baby. We're open for business and we're celebrating America's pastime. I don't know. I, 
I would love it. I think it'd be neat. I think that's the day. If you're going to do something like this, it can't just be like, hey, uh, random August. I guess it could be, but it, it seems kind of strange to do it this way. Random August game at home, uh, August 24th against Detroit, Tuesday night. We're going to go ahead and do a second opening day. That seems a little out of place and strange to me, but if you did it... This last year up, has been strange. That's fair. Uh, whatever. Throw it all out. I'm in. I'm in, Dan. I, I've changed well, my mind. Go it, for it. And you could change um, You could change the start time. You know, that you could probably get league approval to do something and say, hey, we're doing something special here. We do it unique. We do it different. We want to do this for our fan base. And, we, and frankly, we're trying to do this for the comfort of people and our country. And we think this is something neat for everybody. And sure. the league would say, hell yes, let's do it. I, I think it'd be awesome. I, uh, Danny Mack, I like that idea. Thank you, Danny Mack. I'm going for it. I've definitely heard worse ideas. <laughs> I, I like that idea. Hey, Carlos was on the mound yesterday. Uh, this was, you know, now we've got a couple of positive things. Remember 48 hours ago, we're like, uh-oh, pitching has been great. But this is what happens in spring training. You get some good with the bad, and this is one of the good. Uh, three innings, couple of hits, walk two. Don't like seeing that. Want to see the walks cut down. But Mike Schild did talk about his second spring tr- uh, start of the year. really liked what Carlos did a lot while was coming out. Equally as good as it came out the last time he started, but clearly better command of it, which, you know, second time out. But really good stuff. Breaking ball was there. Everything working on the play. Good rhythm in control of what he was doing. Um, close misses. So very, very encouraging outing for Carlos. I want to see the walks down. And you know what I've been telling you, uh, BK. I want to see better Velocity. When he's got good velocity, that is where he is going to have some success. So more consistency in the strike zone, better velocity, Enos Harris. I mean, if you give him both of those ticks, he's 92, and uh, that was the worst we've seen him in the past. So I, I kind of think um, the velo just isn't there, and I don't, and I, and I don't know why. It doesn't seem like he's um, kept up his arm care routines. Um, and, uh, and I think that, uh, it's going to be, I think it's going to be an issue. I think he's, he's going to have some struggles out of that spot. You know, obviously he had a good start the other day and he was like the first Cardinals starting pitcher to get through the first <laughs> and I, he does have good movement on his pitches. So it's possible that he's just not a command artist. And when you, when you're not a command artist and you drop from 95 down to 92, it's, it's, it's a big deal. Yeah, it is. And that's when you have to have better command. And we've seen the good velocity back in 2019. He was around 97. He was 96.6 last year, dropping to 93.3. And you wonder if that was COVID-related. Remember that last start against Kansas City was around 91, so it really had dropped. And that was a concern, according to Enos. However, Carlos Martinez was throwing 90 uh, the other day, uh, yesterday. And I don't think he can be as effective at 90. He does not have good command. And he really used to be a 95 guy. So now you have Carlos Martinez as a, as a, as a possible problem. I think his best spot is in the in the bullpen already. Well, I, I would have said that if you had the other available guys, if Michaelis was there, and I would have liked to have seen Carlos maybe go to the bullpen because you, you say, hey, you got three outs, go, go blow it out. Which, by the way, if you look historically at his numbers – Bullpen as a starter, they're about equal um, going into last year. I, and that's why I think you could regroup that velocity. But for him and the betterment of his career, we forget BK, he's only 29. 
think about that. There's a lot of mileage there if, if he wants it going forward, and there's been a lot of mileage on the back end because he was young when he came up. He's He's got this a big year for him, for the Cardinals, but also for him personally. He's got to get the velocity back. He does. Do you think it's going to be back, though? Because well, as of right now, I mean, if what we saw was true, if the radar gun was right, and he's sitting around 90-91 right now, Last year, he was, like you said, around 93, 93 and a half. At his peak, he's been closer to the 96, 98. That's that's kind of yeah. where he's been sitting, especially with his four seam. When you have that kind of stuff and it plays up and he's got great movement on it and you can, you can have everybody else kind of playing off of that fastball, you can be dominant. And that's what Carlos Martinez was early on in his career. When you don't have that to go to, though, and as we saw last year, people are destroying your fastball and you have nothing that you can serve over the plate with that. That's when things get a little dicey. And so it it really does kind of come down to does he have the velocity or not? Because if he does, you can use him as a starter and he can be really good for you. That velocity has gone, though, if it's just not coming back because of injuries or otherwise. I don't know what you do with Carlos Martinez, because whether he's in the bullpen or in your rotation, that stuff doesn't play the same way. And what's the pitch that you love that he's got? And he's got great arm action with it. He's got movement with it. It's his changeup. Yep. And if he's throwing, you know, it, it, it's just common sense. I mean, if he's throwing strikes with movement, with his fastball, and can locate a changeup, he's got a combination that is devastating. And when he's right with that changeup, it's nasty. And that's where I want to see his velocity come back. And that's when I noticed with him uh, the first time out, we came back from the shutdown and we had an exhibition game. And I was watching him and I thought, hmm, just by the eye test, I wasn't looking at the velocity BK. And I thought, well, maybe he's taking something off for location. And he was getting away with it because he was spotting, he was spotting that fastball. And he was roughly 92, 93. And he went, I think, six up, six down. And it was fine. It worked. But if he's not spotting it, he's going to get hammered. And when he the, the regular season began, he wasn't spotting it. And so you can have 92, 93. That plays. That's fine. But if you don't spot it, you're going to have problems. And if it's straight and you don't have movement, you're going to have real problems. And that's where my concern right now is for Carlos Martinez. And that's always been the case for him, right? Like yeah. he, he's just He's never been a guy that's the pinpoint pitcher. Somebody on the text line, 65780, is the Air Comfort Service text line. Somebody said, hey, guys, you're concerned about the velocity for Carlos Martinez, but what about your concern about velocity with Adam Wainwright or KK? Those guys aren't the same stylistically as Carlos Martinez. Carlos's success has become because he's overpowering. He's got the overpowering stuff. And then, as you said, he's got the changeup to go off of that. He's got the slider to go off of that. And he's able to use those off of his fastball that is overpowering. When you don't have that, though, and now you're trying to be a finesse pitcher without having that kind of stuff. Well, things go wildly erratically over the course of the season. That's not the case for Wayno. Wayno knows exactly what he's doing, where things are going. He knows how to pitch at. 88 to 91 same thing for KK he can play with his mechanics he can do things that cause hitters to be completely off balance that's not who Carlos is Carlos is a power pitcher those other guys that we're referencing are more finesse at least at this point in their careers and so yeah I'm going to approach them a little differently because they go about it completely differently couple minutes left in the show couple of positives from yesterday one Jack Flaherty matched up uh, matched up with Max Scherzer basically going pitch by pitch with him, and uh, that's fun to watch. And the other thing was on a backfield against the Nationals, we saw live action with Jordan Hicks. And 
This is why you love what potentially could be a very good bullpen for the Cardinals. Jordan Hicks went one, two, three. And anytime I see Jordan Hicks come out of a game uh, in terms of being healthy, being fine, mindset right, well, you, you got a good thing. As Mike Maddox told us on a broadcast last week, they've been clocking him at 102. And 102 with movement is probably going to play. You're probably going to be all right. And so Jordan Hicks, very good. Flaherty, back on track. Those are good signs for the Cardinals. Sometimes it's not so much what people say about you. It's a, it's how they say it, Dan. And you could tell the difference when they're talking about a guy like Miles Michaelis all spring compared to somebody like Jordan Hicks. They can't even contain their giddiness when they're talking oh, about yeah. Jordan Hicks right now. Like You can see Mike Schilt is beaming with excitement when he talks about the guy that has not thrown a pitch now in, what, two years? I mean, it it's... It's pretty remarkable what he's able to do right now. And it makes sense because now he is two years removed from that surgery. I guess 18 months removed from the surgery. This is when he should be getting closer to 100%. They always say it's not one year. It's the next season after that. This is when that should be taking place for Jordan Hicks. I don't think he's going to start the year as the closer. I think they want to have a defined role of here's when you're going to be coming in. You're going to have a clean inning, less stressful innings for you. But I wouldn't be surprised if before long. too long he's going he's gonna to be in that role again. You've been listening to the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise.